When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Kick and Cover podcast. Um, today we have Wes Anderson with us. Of uh, He's a special teams coordinator, wide receiver coach at New Palestine High School. I had to emphasize that there because not a single person <laughs> in the Midwest pronounces it correctly. All of us call it New Palestine, not Palestine. That's right. Uh, for some reason. Coach, how are you doing? Doing great, Coach. Appreciate you having me today. Really excited to be here. No problem, Coach. Um, and and like like we talked before, you came on. I mean, you're you're going you're you're kind of, you and uh, your boss are going to be kind of doing the clinic circuit here in a little bit. Between mm-hmm. coming on here, actually, probably probably by the time this airs, uh, you've already hit the clinic circuit. Uh, you would have hit Michigan. Uh, workout details for you guys to come to Ohio Clinic. Um, so I mean that that'd be a good little thing. Um, now, mm-hmm. have you been the special teams coordinator there your entire time? Uh, Oh, actually, sorry. Never mind. I'm looking at the screen. There, uh, fourth year. Uh, kind of, so people who don't know you, do you want to kind of give your background real quick? Yeah, um, uh, I am. Um, gosh, this is going to be my 17th year as a football coach. Uh, coming up in 2021, um, longtime offensive line coach, longtime offensive coordinator. Um, had the opportunity to come join Coach Ralph here at New Pal and. Um, I'll be honest, he's got one of the best offensive line coaches in the Midwest. So, um, you, it, and when it comes to that, you kind of get in where you fit in, I guess. So, um, he had an opening for wide receiver coach, never coached wide receiver before. Um, and then, uh, the special teams job kind of came on top of that. So, um, it kind of a, a unique perspective for me as a special teams coach. It kind of got the keys of the car, so to speak. And it was kind of do whatever you want. And I didn't really, I've never done it before. So, um, kind of a unique opportunity to create some stuff that's maybe a little unorthodox. I think some of the things we do are a little bit unusual, um, but we've kind of taken our whole program philosophy and integrated that in the special team, which is kind of what I'm most proud of. Um, I'm also, uh, as you can see on the screen, I'm also the district's communications director, uh, which 2020 has just been a delightful year to do that, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, and, uh, so uh, a lot of my day is is uh, COVID related yeah. now as a school administrator, as as I'm sure it is for most of us that are that are watching and listening to this. So uh, it's a little bit about me. Um, happily married, live in New Pal, live about two miles from the high school, which is really convenient for me, and uh, you know happy to be a part of a great program. No, and coach, like I'll say this, like you, a lot of us have found out real quick how good our PR directors are. <laughs> this year, more than anything, like like most time, you are not known who that person is, or you'll see a random thing from this year. It's daily, and you're you're getting your money's worth now. I mean, it, the old spotlight's pretty bright this year, that's for sure. Now, how much did the the COVID, all the COVID and stuff uh, affect you guys this year? 
You know, I think a lot. We carry a really small roster um, a lot of years, and I won't say that's by design, but our offseason program is is really hard, and we we do that on purpose. So, gosh, we're we're a school of twelve hundred kids, and I think most years we carry under fifty on our roster, ten twelve. So, from that perspective, there's not a lot of depth, and you know when the quarantines kind of start stacking up on you, it, it really yeah. it really crippled us. Um, in a few instances, you know, our, our kids work hard and play hard and, and, you know, next man up and all that stuff. But it's obviously a little bit different for us uh, playing in the class we play in with a lot of schools that are double R enrollment and they've got 110 kids over there to pick from. And we come into a game with 10 kids quarantine and we've got 41. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that made it a little bit difficult. Um, that's, that's a battle we fight in a normal year, um, in the playoffs, in the class we play in. But in this year, that, I think that really starts to stack up on you a little yeah. bit. I get you, coach. Um, so all right, let's move to something a little more positive. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is the last day of 2020, so that's going to try to focus on that. Um, sure. um, so you, I mean, when we messaged back and forth, you wanted to talk, you guys do some special – well, you classify some special stuff, some unique stuff on special teams. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of let you get into it, and then I'll kind of just ask or comment sure. as you kind of go. And, I mean, we'll just kind of make this conversation as we go. Sure. I, I'm going to kind of run through the first few, few slides here just for a little bit of background kind of about our program and um, kind of why why we do what we do. Because I always think that's the most important part. Of it. I think the why really matters. So I'm just going to kind of flip through – these a little bit. Um, this is a little bit about our program. Uh, there, there are six classes in Indiana, and we're in 5A, which is the second biggest, 6A is the biggest, 1A is the smallest. Uh, we played up a class. We're a 4A school by enrollment. We played up a class since 2015. Indiana has a tournament success factor. So we've kind of been clipped by that, so to speak, um, since 2015, and we've, and we've still been successful enough to stay up. So um, Last seven seasons were 88 and four. This actually was an old slide. So now we're 96 and six in eight seasons. Uh, three state titles, a state runner up. And like I said, you know, we 1,200 kids in our in our high school. In most years, 45 kids, 50. If we're really really lucky, I think we've had more than 50, maybe twice in the nine years. So I I always talk a little bit about our offense and our defense because I think it's really important for a special teams coordinator to understand how those two things play into what you're going to be on specials. The more points you score, the more you're going to need kickoff, PAT. The better your defense is, the more you're going to need pump block. You're going to need um, – you're not going to need kick return, right? Because if you don't give them points, they don't kick off very often. So I always – when I talk to coaches, I, I always tell them to have a good idea what your offense and your defense do and what that's going to do to you. So you know, our offense is, has obviously been really good. Uh, you don't go 96 and six without scoring points, obviously. So, we, you know, 52 a game, we kick off a bunch, we kick a bunch of extra points. Um, and then defensively, obviously our defense, we're in a three, three stack has been pretty good as well. 11 points um, with ton of turnovers uh, and on our opponents punt a whole lot. So I, I always show those because I'm going to put this on the screen. Um, this is, this is data from last year. Um, the three years previous to 2020, <clears throat> but you can kind of get a, a feel for what happens to us. And I always want coaches to have this information for what it means for them, because that's going to dictate 
what you should do, how you should focus on your special team. So we kick off a ton. We kick a ton of PATs and field goals. Our opponents punt a lot. And then we don't run very many kick returns. We don't punt a lot. Um, one and a half a game. And then our PAT field goal team is on the field just a little bit more than once a game. So for me, those top three teams are super important. They are our number one priority, and we have to be really good at those. 108 kickoffs in 15 games, I mean, we're going to kick off eight times a night. We better be really, we better be the best kickoff team in Indiana because we're going to kick off more than anybody. We've led the state in scoring five out of seven years. So if I'm not putting all my focus in kickoff, I'm hurting the team. Um, and the, the opposite of that is our field goal PAT block 19 times. I'm coaching the Yasuo Learning practice. I put it in in August. We run it one day in camp, and then I don't run it again. I do something <laughs> super easy and super simple for the kids. What's the matter? I mean, we're going to give up 11 points. You know, I, I'm not I'm not going to spend five minutes a week doing something we're going to use once in a game that we're going to win on average 52 to 11 or whatever it is. So it, it's a lot about time management and making sure you're putting your focus in the things that you know you're going to use the most, right? Yeah, yeah I heard so, a, I, I heard a college uh, coach say that like two years ago is if you know you're going to kick off a lot, you need to practice that more than one day a week. If you know you're going yep. to, if you if you know you're going to only punt five percent of the time, why are you practicing the crap out of it? It doesn't make doesn't make sense for what you're doing. Yeah, you know one and one of my big beliefs too is 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 time is our only lim- limited commodity, right? I mean, yeah. we can practice time is it. That's the only thing that that we have that we are limited on. You know, I can watch as much film as I want. I can scout as much as I want. I can do all that stuff all weekend, all week. I can put a hundred hours in if I want, but I can only be with the kids for my two 10 minute special teams periods on Tuesday, my two special teams periods on Wednesday, and then my walkthrough on Thursday. It's the only time I get with the kids. So I've got to use that time efficiently and I'm not going to waste time doing stuff that I know we're going to run once or zero times. I'm just not going to do it. It's just, it's pointless. That's, that's a, such a bad use of what limited time I already get. So, uh, kind of because of that, that's kind of the overarching structure of why we do what we do. And I, and kind of what I want to show you today is, is each of these top three teams, we do something pretty unique. Um, and, and I think a little bit unorthodox to suit what our kids do. And then the bottom three things are all super simple. We do the same thing every time. Simple rules, easy for our kids to understand. I'll not spend time, time, time practicing it. It's sound. It's easy for our kids. And we go and we move on. If we need a punt, I know I can trust our punt. I don't have to put four punts in. I don't have to put seven protection schemes in. I've got one plan. We go out, we kick the ball, our defense comes out. You know, it's, it's that easy. So um, let me kind of get into this which is my philosophy statement for specials and it's really long everybody always like coach you can't memorize that i don't need to memorize it i just need to know what's in it um we are one of our philosophies about our program as a whole is that we are pedal to the metal all the time um you know we're not like our motto is not all gas no brakes but that's kind of how i look at it in terms of what we do offensively up tempo no huddle spread 
inside inside zone. We're going to snap the football as fast as we can as soon as the official puts it down. Indiana's a 40-second play clock state, which lets us go really fast. Defensively, 3-3 stack. We blitz the absolute heck out of you. Gonna play a lot of cover zero, gonna play a lot of cover three. We're gonna pressure you to making mistakes. And when I became a special teams coordinator, I looked at kind of what our identity was on special teams, which was almost the opposite. You know, let's kind of play it safe and try not to make mistakes and you know, let our offense go out and do what they do. But and I felt like that was not congruous, I guess. Like those that didn't fit. So this was really important for me to kind of bring that aggressiveness and that that sense of urgency that we have on O and D and bring that into the special team. So a couple sentences I'll I'll highlight here. Aggressive in making plays to change momentum and field position in the game. And then give our offense short fields and defense long fields, which is gonna help us win. I'm a big hidden yards guy. I believe in the hidden yards. I calculate the hidden yards. I think that matters if your defense is really good. If your defense stinks which happens to some of us, if it, if, if it does, then yards don't matter. You're going to give up seven either way. Who cares how far they return the kick, right? But if your defense is really good, the longer the field you can put behind them to get to your end zone, the better it is for them. So our kickoff team, um, kind of one of the neatest things I think that we do, um, and and I'll give you a little bit of history kind of about our kickoff team um, in a second. So we always want our opponent to start at the 20. And we've not hit that goal. Uh, we've been really close. But we've really hammered into our kids how important that field position battle is when we kick off. Um, our touchback rate, 20%. Listen, your mileage is going to vary on this. I don't have a kid that can kick in the end zone. I've never had one in the five years that I've been here. Um, this year, we didn't have a single touchback. So your touchback rate should be relative of how good your kicker is. And if you got a kid that can kick it in the end zone every time, you probably ought to just fast forward to this part or go out or shovel some snow or something because it ain't going to matter to you anyway. <laughs> um, so here's, here's what happened. 2017, which was my first year as special team coordinator, we were so bad on this team. Uh, and we, I put five dudes on the left. I put five dudes on the right. We're going to run down in a straight line, and I'm going to hope that he runs into one of us. And didn't work. So after 2017, and I don't think I have the numbers in this clinic, but it was like, I think almost 40% of our opponent's drives started outside the 40, which is horrible. I mean, it's when you, especially when you kick off 110 times, think about all the yards that you give up when you do that. So here's kind of what we came up with. Hit the clinic circuit um, in the winter between 2017 and 2018. Heard some guys speak that kind of pulled little bits and pieces from, from a few guys. And here's what we came up with. So our kickoff team is called the Hitman kickoff team. And what we do is I've got seven dudes that are a normal kickoff team. They've got lanes, they run down lanes, they try to contain, they try to push guys, you know, leverage all that stuff. But then I've got three guys that have no alignment rules. They have no assignment. They literally run right to the football and that's all we do. And those three guys are my best players. They're, probably our team captains and they are some of my smartest kids because um, I obviously need them to not line up like morons, right? <laughs> There's got to be a little bit of intelligence about what we're doing here. You know, if we're kicking the ball deep left, don't go line up all the way over on the right edge, right? Yeah. So, and and kind of explain this from the state championship game in um, 2019. So here you can kind of see 
these guys here are our normal seven players. And I always tell those guys to line up four yards deep just so I give those other three guys the room to run. And then here's Hitman 1, here's Hitman 2, here's Hitman 3. And like I said, I don't don't really have any set rules for them. We talk in the scouting report about some suggestions for them, but everything we do here is really kid-driven. And we come out. This is the opening kickoff of the game. Um, or this is a, this is our first kickoff of the game um, after we went down and scored. But I, we when in a huddle, I want to hear from the kids. What's your plan here? What are you going to do? So I'll, I'll, I'm going to kind of walk you through every kick in this game to give you an example of kind of how things change and how things evolve and what that can do for us. So um, I'm going to go back to to this and this is this i literally just pulled this right out of our scouting report this our kids get this every monday um they get every special team drawn up exactly how we're going to run it exactly how it get blocked kids have it they know it and my challenge to our three hitmen is i get a scouting report on monday our kickoff period is the first thing we do in practice on tuesday you better know what you're doing when you come back tuesday at 3 15 p.m all right we're not going to stand there and screw around for 10 minutes while you try to figure it out have a plan know what you're going to do let's not waste our practice time that's going and execute it. So in this instance, the the left guard here is uh, one of the best players in Indiana. He's, he's going to play in the Big Ten. Uh, defensive lineman for Valparaiso is a really, really good player. And I, I generally give those hitmen kind of two or three hard, fast rules. One is don't get double team. If there's a frontline double team, if the left guard and the center were to double team five, and if one of my hitmen lines up as five, I'm going to find a new hitman because that's just not very smart. You're taking yourself completely out of play by getting double team. Second thing I tell them is if there's a really, 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 really good player on that other team, you should not line up as the guy who's going to get blocked by him because, again, you're taking yourself out of play. So in this instance, in the scouting report, we tell them, look, man, you better not be number five. Let me talk about numbering real quick, too. I realize there's one through seven here at the top but I've drawn this at the bottom as a normal one through 10. And I realize there's a hundred different ways to do that. Some guys do like the L1, L2, L3, L4, L5, R5, whatever. As soon as L5 flips over becomes R6, my kids freak out. So we don't do it that way. We literally start on the left edge. He's one. The guy on the right edge is 10. The kicker doesn't count the count. Just count in. Let's go. So I realize those numbers are a little bit different. I did the same thing. I think it's for high school athletes and kids who focus may not always be 100% as you need it to be. Yeah. I, th- I think 1 through 10 is probably the easiest system you can get. Exactly. It's, it's very yeah. different for like a college kid. Okay, I have a scholarship. This is essentially my job. Like there's a different level of focus at that level than there is yeah. here. <coughs> yeah, excuse me. So, and, and I tried the – L1 or whatever thing. And like I said, as soon as, as soon as they put six guys on one side of the kicker, everybody melted down. And well, I don't have him anymore. He went to the right. Yeah, but he's the same guy. Right. But he's different. He's now R6. He's not L5 anymore. Coaching. Okay. He's going to be five. I don't care where he goes. He's still five. <laughs> if he moves the other side of the kicker, he's still the fifth guy. We've got to kind of just turn our brains off a little bit and just process this information. So, Anywho, in this instance, this is the guy we want to stay away from. And um, so you can kind of see here, and this is here's a good example of kind of the numbering system. So this would be one, 
this guy up here at the edge would be 10. If I can draw a zero, 10. Yeah. yeah not bad. <clears throat> so we told him, we told these three guys here, our three hitmen, look, man, you can't be number five. All right, you're going to get blocked. Okay, coach, I'm going to go, I'm going to kind of start here as three. I'm going to kind of loop in, become four. Perfect. Good plan. Let's go do it. But what happens, which can happen sometimes, this is the kid we're talking about right here that we want to avoid. But what can happen is they can make an adjustment, right? So he blocks us. Which, yeah, okay. I mean, they're you know their coach is coach too, um, which is fine. So, you know, we we kind of squirt one out down the right there a little bit, but a couple things happen here that, and this is kind of where the kid driven piece of it is. He comes over to the sideline and goes, "Coach, you blocked me, man. He wasn't supposed to block me. He was supposed to block Richie. That's yeah. who he was supposed to block, but they changed it." Well, but then this kid goes, hey, coach, but nobody blocked me. So he got a free run right down there all the way to the wedge, which that's kind of what this whole thing is about. It's trying to maximize the number of free runs that we get where we get guys unblocked. Ideally, we want those to be our best players, right? Yeah. It doesn't always happen that way. But a lot of what we do from this point in the adjustments we can make, I think allows us a lot more freedom than what – my counterpart on the other sideline can do in terms of them making adjustments to what we do. So we come back, kick off again, and a lot of things have changed here. Okay, so I take this was this was a kid right here that was over here, and he said, "Coach, listen, he he blocked me. I'm not going to mess with him. I'm going to the other side, which he can do. He's got the freedom to do that as long as we got four on one side of the kicker, we're legal." So I tell those three hitman guys, "Look." All three of you can be to the kicker's left. You can't all be the kicker's right or we're illegal because we'll have seven and four or seven and three, I guess. Yeah. But so whatever you guys want to do is fine. So, you know, he says, let's coach. Nobody blocked me. This is my best player. He's playing the Mac now. And he, and he goes, coach, I'm going to go right there. <clears throat> They're not going to block that guy. I'm going right there and I'm going to see if they'll just let me go. Great. Love it. Love the plan. Go do it. And there we go. That's my best player right there. Completely untouched, okay. right to the wedge. And this is a touchback, but you get the picture of what the adjustment is. And all we've done, their best player right here, we've confused him to the point that he doesn't even block anybody. He's just kind of running around here. He gets spun around. He's not really sure what to do, which is great for us. Their dude going to the Big Ten doesn't block anybody, and we kick off. Love it. That's a great plan. Let's keep doing that. So we're going to come back. You're going to see this is the next kickoff. You're going to see something similar. These are my two hitmen here now kind of stacked together, which is kind of one of the neat things we can do is, is when those kids have the freedom, we can do some bunches or stacks or we can align those guys however we really want, um, which is a huge benefit, especially if you run a man return against us. Because if you do and your, your kids do what my kids do, they got to count. Well, all of a sudden, I got three guys standing there right together. Who's five? Who's six? Who's seven? It's hard to tell, right? If you're going to block it this way, in this instance, this will be six and seven. You've got to find some communication system to figure out who's going to take who. Who's going to block the back guy? Who's going to back the front? These are things that your guys have to be talking about. And it took me 
it took me zero seconds. My kids had figured it out. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to worry about it. I didn't have to coach it. I didn't have to install it. Kids go, coach, this is what we're going to go do. We're going to go do a nice kickoff. We're going to see how it goes. All right, buddy, go, go get them. So, again, you can see all three of us are kind of our, our three hitmen here, here, here are all on that same side as the last one. It worked. So let's try it again. And again, there's my best player. Nobody blocks him. That's my second hitman, one of my other best players. Nobody blocks him either. Um, so this is not a great example because it's a wedge return. We see yeah. a lot of wedge. I don't know about you guys are in Ohio, but almost everybody, especially now that we've gone to this, almost everybody tries to run wedge against us now. Even teams that we see on film run a man return will come in against us and play a wedge just because it's the easiest thing that their kids well, that's, do. That's, so another touch back to that. Go ahead. It, it's, it's probably growing in popularity just because how simple it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's Some people give that front line as some sort of may, maybe a man scheme or maybe a small wedge. And then love the back yeah. wedge. That's pretty much what we're what it's growing into a lot here. Yeah, I, I, I gosh, coach, I probably haven't seen a man return in three seasons. Um, even I, again, a lot of those teams will come in and we'll scout them as a man return, and then we won't see it because um, you just can't block it. Yeah. Okay, so one last thing I want to note on this rep here. They have again made an adjustment, and now the kid that we wanted to stay away from is now blocking the guy that we thought he was going to block in the scouting report. <clears throat> so he comes over and he says, coach, Hey man, 11 block me. Um, he hadn't blocked me before, but now he is. Okay. All right. Again, they're, they're making adjustments. They're changing stuff up as we change. That's fine. So when we kick off the last time, here's a, here's pretty much the identical look that we had from the first kick of the game. And this kid that got blocked by 11 the first time is back over there. And he says, coach, if he's going to block, if he's going to block the guy he's supposed to, I'm going back over there. That's, you know, that's where I want to go. That's yeah. where the hole is in the, in the, in how they block the return. If I can get him, if I can get him to block him, perfect. I got a free run of the ball. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Again, kids are making decisions on this. This isn't something that I have to spend time in the game coaching. I don't have to talk about it too long in the huddle. Um, before we go out, and here it is. So we get what we thought we were going to get. Okay. There he is. He's able to run around the edge of the wedge with tackle due to the 16-yard line. Huge play. Huge play in the game. We just, we've just taken the, taken the lead, and we bury him. Uh, we stick him deep in our own end. They end up punting to us, um, and we go down and score again. And, and after that, we're able to hold on and win a state championship. But – you kind of get the feel of how this works for, for us, especially just giving the kids the keys of the car. And look, I can show you bad clips too. Um, it happens. That happens anytime you let kids make those kind of decisions yeah. on the field. It's not perfect. But when it works, I think it works so well that the positives outweigh the negatives. Yeah. You know, your kid is going to have a brain fade. He's going to make a bust. He's going to go line up somewhere dumb. It's going to happen. But – this is something that's really valuable. I think it's really tough to play against, and it is super easy for me. You know, I do a lot of the brain power stuff on Tuesday in practice. By the time and, and Thursday in the walkthrough, by the time we get to Friday, 
I'm hands off on this stuff. You know, I might yeah. need to make a suggestion or, hey, listen, I see that they've adjusted this or they've changed this or, you know, they're running the return a little bit different than what we plan for. I mean, those kind of things are going to happen again naturally. But this allows us to stay ahead of those adjustments, make our own adjustments without a ton of complicated install. You know, if in a normal game, I'm kind of thinking back to when we went like five guys on the right, five guys on the left, you know, when we were getting cream and we're getting absolutely double team of my best players getting ran 40 yards down the field and getting pancaked. The only thing I can really do at that point is start swapping guys, right? You go stand over there and you run in this lane. Now you go flip over there. You try to run in this lane and you eat the double team and work. That's the only adjustment I have. Yeah. So this has given us a lot more freedom to um, kind of attack people without a ton of required scout work and complicated adjustments in the game. It's really easy for our kids. What do you like? What do you have like a goal for like your kick hang time if it's not touching back? Uh, yeah, I think it's four and a half. I we never hit it. Yeah, we never hit it. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna be honest. That's kind of one of the things we've not we've just not been blessed with a lot of great kickers. Yeah. Um, I mean this this year I think my kid can only kick it to like the 16 yard line. I mean just that's the nature of small school football right yeah. some years you got a kid that can boom it and some years you don't and the years that you don't you've got to deal with it so that's kind of the other part of this too is we know we've got to go tackle a guy we're not kicking it in the end zone we've got to be really good on this team we do it 110 times a but b if we kick 15 percent touchbacks that's still 90 times that we've got to go run down there and tackle somebody so that's another part of this is Listen, like I said at the beginning of this, if your dude can just kick it in the end zone all the time, you're probably still not watching anyway. So, but I mean, it takes a lot of work, but I think it's worth it if you're one of those teams that can't get the ball in the end zone all the time. No, that's fantastic, Coach. I think I think kickoffs the bane to most of us high school special teams coordinators' existences. So, yeah, that's yeah, especially when you again. Good. Go ahead. You I, go ahead. I haven't. I haven't had a kicker that could boom out of the end zone since like my first two years. Like it's been, yeah. And, but he was also like an all national, like seventeen and under soccer kid. So like, mm-hmm. does that really count? No. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know the other thing too I'll mention about about kickoff is I I treat kickoff like a defensive play and. The way that I talk to the kids is using the same terminology that our defensive coaches use. So I coach offensive position. I coach wide receivers. We do um, – we're not two platoons, so we do both offensive and defense every day. We do special teams, O period, special teams, D period, go home. So I don't coach a defensive position, so I spend a lot of my time in those defensive drills listening to what we call drills, listening to the terminology we use because it's all the same stuff. Right, you got to run downfield. You got to you got to shut a block, and you got to go make a tackle. I mean, that's just the same thing as my middle linebacker having to shed a double team, a zone double team, and get in the backfield and go tackle running back. So I'm going to use those same terms. That's another thing. Coach asked me all the time, Coach, what kind of drills do you do for this? And I got time for drills. I get 20 minutes a week, and I got to do all. I do five of the six. I'm going to do PAT block, but I got to do five specials, 20 minutes. Yeah. So whatever I can do to take drills that we already do, terms that we already use, 
game situations that our kids already understand. Our DBs understand um, trap tackle. They understand, you know, using the sideline to push a guy out of bounds. They understand leverage. They understand outside hip. They understand all that stuff. I need to use that when I coach us during our kickoff period. I don't have time to spend five minutes doing a, a specific drill to teach them something that we already do. And our kids already have to understand to play defense. Yeah. So that's been a big thing for me too, is, is using, using some of those defense terms, using some of those reference that defense drill in a bad rep. You know, we get a returner that splits us, splits two of us. We're in a great position. He splits both of us and we give a 40 yard return of practice. Go, Hey guys, let's tackle trap or trap tackle drill, you know, get yourselves together, get hit to hip, pin that guy in, make a tackle. And it's a drill we already do. You know, that drill, Let's apply it in this situation. It's an open field tackle, right? And we all, we, our defense spends so much time working on open field tackling. I don't need to redrill it, if that makes sense. Well, it does. It does. And I get it. I mean, we get, I mean, technically it's the third phase of the game, but you don't always get the same the necessary right. time. I'm not going to sit here and say you need the same amount of time as offensive defense, but some of us get really shortchanged on time, and it is what it is. So. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, at the same time, that kind of goes back to what I talked about in our philosophy, too. I want things that are easy for us and inexpensive for us from a time perspective, things I can do easily, things I can coach easily, but that are also very expensive for our opponents to prepare for. Yeah. So if I can use as little time as I can in practice to prepare, but still have us ready to play while you have to double or triple your specials time when you play the dragons, that's good for us. You're spending less time working yeah. on defeating zone double teams. You're spending less time preparing for the 27 blitzes we run because you're worried about how good your kick return is going to be. when we're going to kick off to you seven or eight times. You're worried about our pump block team because you know, you've got to get a punt off. Um, yeah, those things matter too. So, I, I think that's a big part that I don't that I've really applied to my philosophy. How can I do this cheaply from a time perspective okay. while getting so much value out of it that it makes you spend extra time? Yeah. So that's kickoff. Um, I'd love to talk about pump block here. I certainly won't spend as much time on that because that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, and then I also kind of want to talk about our PAT. So. Hey, coach. Okay, so our pump block team, we are a full-time pump block team. Um, and I say full-time, I don't mean 100.0% chance that we're going to run a pump block. I mean we are going to run a pump block unless I feel that it is a obvious situation where you're going to need to run a fake. Uh, you know, I, I talk a lot, and a lot of – obviously we're on TV quite a bit. Um, and people watch us and, you know, I go on a clinic circuit and I, and I, I just hammer aggressive, 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 aggressive. And then you watch us play and there's 30 seconds left and a half. Our opponent is punting from our 40 on fourth and two and we're playing our base defense. And, you know, and then old coach's phone rings on Saturday morning after the game. Like, coach, man, how come you blocking those punts, man? I, I saw it on a clinic circuit. Look, there's a difference between aggressive and reckless, right? And I think we can all agree when you do this, you've got to kind of find where that line is. Yeah. And there's, I think I've actually got a slide in here about it. We have a very similar philosophy coach on that about like, we're, we're, we're pretty much yeah. pump block a hundred percent of the time unless. 
Right. So I, I talk about aggressive versus reckless. You know, we want to make plays that change the balance of the game in our favor. We want to find vulnerabilities in what you do, scheme talent execution-wise. But I also don't want to give up a touchdown with 30 seconds left in the half because I'm a moron and I try to block a punt and you run wide pop or a whatever yard line you're on touchdown because there's nobody back there. I mean, that's – I want to be aggressive too, but I also like being employed. So uh, I'm not – you know, I'm not going to do a bunch of dumb stuff. It's going to give a bunch of points and, and get myself fired. So, you know, it, it's about, I said this, you know, change the game in one play. I, I say that a lot. I think a lot of special teams guys kind of use that mantra for specials. But what I don't want to do is change the game in one play for them. I want to change it in our favor. If I do something in special that changes the balance of the game to them, I fail. So, yes, with 30 seconds left, it's fourth and two at our 41-yard line, and they line up to punt. No, I'm not going to block it. I'm probably not even going to put a returner back there, if I'm honest, just because I want to minimize those number of mistakes. And I'll give you an example. So here's a punt block. Um, it's You can't even see the chain here. I think it's fourth and 12 or fourth and 13. Um, the personal protector in this case where it's a 50 number, um, the punter back here is is I watched him kick in warmups and he was not going to run anywhere. Um, so I know, you know my my risk here is pretty low and the reward is pretty high. And we're going to block this on return for a touchdown. I'll show that clip in a second. But here's the other side of that coin: the state championship in 2018. This is one of the most mobile rushing quarterbacks in the state of Indiana. He's going to quick kick this ball from empty. With this kid who's in the Big Ten, this kid who's in the MAC, uh, this kid who's in the NIA, if I line up and run a full block look against this, I'm the moron. Yeah. And it's fourth and two. I get like it's our minus 27 yard or their minus 27. I get that. But I'm not going to let them run quarterback buck sweep here, which is their favorite play, and us get outflanked and we give up a 40 yard rush and their offense goes back out there. You know, I want to block kicks. I want to do that stuff. But at the same time, I also want to make sure our offense comes out. Um, you know, when you've got when you've got a weapon in your pocket that scores 52 points a game, the last thing you should do is not use that weapon and, you know, leave it in the holster while you give up a fake punt for 100 yards. So I always talk about that. I think it's an important distinction to make. Because I, I realize I talk about aggressiveness and, and yeah. all that stuff, and then people will watch us and go, well, now hang on a second, because that's not what you said. So I get um, it, but th- but again, that's you gotta. That's what we got. People have to be aware of the situation and what's going on, right. and like kind of like you said there, you knew that punter wasn't going to run anywhere, and their personal protector was a fifty. It's a fairly safe bet yeah. at that point to go for the block compared to that obnoxious. Deep shotgun, quick kick look. Nine-yard quick kick. Yeah, yeah the nine-yard quick kick, which in theory right. you probably could – I mean, you can block it, but the problem is the, the risk is not always worth the reward, especially as right. you pointed out, Big Ten, MAC, NAIA, that's called athletes, and I don't I – yeah. that's a problem. Yeah, so that one I showed, we didn't even we didn't even run a returner the whole game. Not one. I put all of them guys up there. We're going to play defense because they're an empty. Yeah. And – we're going to play our normal empty rules. We're going to play our normal empty checks. And if you kick it 35 yards and it rolls another 17 yards for a 52-yard punt, fine. If 
fine. I, I'm okay to come out and play offense from first and 10 yeah. after a 50-yard field position change. It's not ideal, but at least we're first and 10 for us and not first and 10 for them, which is what we want. Yeah. So uh, I'll talk a little bit about kind of how we – what we're looking for on pump block. So obviously when you run pump block, you want to block kicks. Everybody does. We're never going to block them all. Um, we, we've, I think there were about 12% um, failure rate in terms of our opponent not completing a kick when they punt, which is pretty good, but that's still, what is that, 82% of the time, yeah. uh, 88% of the time that they get a kick away. So that's a massive, massive percentage. So we also talk about disruptions, and that's still something bad that happened for them. It's a bad snap that he's got to go chase somewhere. Um, a kick of less than 20 or return of more than 20, or they call timeout. And I realize some of those are, are worse than others, right? I mean, okay, you call timeout, fine. I mean, it's not huge, but it can matter. So um, we talk about that. I'll, I'll show you this. Um, I think this is, the, this is the most important bit right here in what we do. We play the same teams every year that everybody does, right? I mean, you got your yeah. conference schedule. Maybe you change your non-conference um, for us, we see mostly the same teams in the playoffs every year. In the four years we've done this, we've knocked off over three-tenths of a second off our opponent operation time, which is huge. And that goes back to what I talked about a second ago. Clearly, our opponents are working on that. They know the last thing that can happen is they block one of our punts. Yeah. If they block one of our punts, we're buried. We're dead. So they're spending time making sure they can get the ball away and not spending time on – preparing for what we do in the other phases. So I think there's value in that. Um, so I'll show you a couple a couple clips here. Um, this is against Center Grove. Those of you guys in the Midwest know who Center Grove is. They won the, the state title in 6A this year in 2020. This game's from 2018. Um, big big game at our place, and we just run a little beamer ball corner blitz right there, Ooh. tackle the punter. Um, a lot of, of what I do – in how we how we block kicks is scheme related. I'll be honest, I can't really remember a block where we just flat win a one on one here and go block a kick. It just doesn't happen very often. What does happen is we put our kids in a position to succeed based on the scheme that they run yeah. and get a guy through completely unblocked. That's the key to pump block. You know, it's not just line a guy up in every gap and hope you win. That's what we do on PAP block because I don't care. But in pump block, it's so much more about the scheme and understanding what they do, why they do it. And I'll kind of give you an example of, of what I'm looking for in this instance. So what we figured out, and, you know, pro-style teams, teams that punt from pro-style punt have a handful of things that uh, – protection schemes that they can use. In this instance, they're going to – they're basically going to half-slide it to the overload side. Yeah. And then, you know, they're going to kind of go, man – man backside and this guy's just kind of kind of feel this a gap as a threat but how it works is he the protector will call the slide to the overload yeah so he's going to count whichever side has more we're going to slide it that way so i said okay well if he's going to slide it that way i need to put five guys over here to get him to slide it that way because i felt like if i ran this corner blitz at him if he was set over here that he was going to get us, he could, he could peel for that corner coming and get us. So I said, I have to set 
the overload into the boundary. And, and ideally, we went in the game knowing we wanted to run this from our sideline, from yeah. our hash. It doesn't always work that way. In this instance, we got lucky and we got the situation um, where we got it on or near our hash because I, I didn't want – I didn't want this stuff here, all this, all this demeanor from him to happen right in front of their coaches, right? Cause he's kind of cheating, cheating. He's clearly watching the punter. Here we come. Right. I didn't want that to happen in front of their coaches who are really good. Obviously center girls, one of the best in the Midwest anywhere. So I, I knew I kind of had to hide this on our sideline. So I send the overload over there. And again, he's kind of responsible for this over here. He's late to arrive to try to get to it somewhere able to block or able to tackle a punter. Yeah. So that's a, that's a lot of what goes into this. And again, like I said, it's not, it's not about, well, you know, I've got this kid here who's at Michigan state and you've got this kid here. Look, we're talking 2.2 seconds. I ain't got time to win. I ain't got time to put a pass rush move on when still get to the block point. I've got to get guys through there freely. So that's a lot of, of kind of how we, how we orchestrate those pump blocks. Um, here's another one I got the tight on this one. He's going to drop this snap, um, which helps us. I think we probably block it anyway. Yeah. There's a rivalry game at our place. And this is kind of one of those best laid plan situations. This is my backup nose guard in here. Yeah. Uh, my starting nose guard had come out with a helmet and uh, this kid is, he's actually legally blind. Like he literally physically cannot see. Um, like I'm not joking. He is legitimately actually legally blind. But what we saw, you know, I always, I always want to know what this guy does. I want to know what his rules are and I want to know what his rules are. And a lot of teams, I don't have to us a lot anymore, but it used to, a lot of teams, they don't even have a rule for him. He's just going down here. He's leaving. I'm just going to take off and go try to tackle that guy, which is fine. Though in this instance, I knew that he always went this way. Yeah. So I, I set a, I set a one technique here in the bound or in to the field basically. And then I put a three technique here into the boundary because I know he's going to come all the way out here and fan for that. And again, this is kind of the best laid plans thing. Um, if I have a starting nose guard in there, this probably goes a lot easier. He kind of gets chipped a little bit, but you know, they're never really going to get to him. Drop punt, one yard line, we fall on it. Next play. That's a first, that's their first offensive series of the game. We go down score to start the game, kick it off to them. We get a fumble on the one. We go in and score. It's 14 nothing. We played a minute and 10 seconds. And let's be honest, coach, at that point, the game is all but over. Um, so that's another big play for us. Here's another one. Um, I always really like when opponents punt with little guys. Yeah. You know, we got big, strong kids. Our kids are great weight room kids. And, you know, that little dude is not going to block my guy wearing 79. He's just not going to block him. So, you know, we're able to get through there cleanly, get a block, get a fumble, get a touchdown. I have a full pump block clinic uh, where I kind of walk through all these different kinds of punts and how we attack them and what I'm looking for. If anybody's watching one sat, just let me know, send me an email, send me a Twitter DM or whatever. I'm happy to share anything, any film, anything you guys want anytime. We're an open book program. I always tell people, you know, I got no system to sell. Um, 
whatever you want is going to cost you zero dollars and zero cents. So um, feel free to reach out anytime. Here's kind of one of those semi-tight shield punts. I don't think I have a tight of that one. I don't. But again, this is another one where we kind of pick on the snapper here who doesn't really do anything. And we end up right down Main Street. For a block. There's there's an unhappy coach when you don't work the scoop and score rules like you're practiced. Um, that's a touchdown off the board. Another one, same game from the, the one before, the same year. And the same team I talked about with the little guys, you know, where I'm just going to put my defensive end there and he's bigger, stronger. That's a win for us. So I want to talk for a second um, about fakes. And I want to talk about disruption because the question I get asked, yeah. Coach, you got to get a ton of fakes right on you, right? Not really. We've had four and five seasons. None of them have been converted. And I think part of that too is, gosh, I don't know if we're going to have time to get a fake off. You know, we know they're going to be there in 2.2. Can I run a route? Can I block well enough? It really hasn't happened. Uh, and I'll actually show you the four fakes that we've run that have had run against us. <clears throat> this will be a little tight end delay screen here. Well, Coach, the one thing I've kind of figured out, like in the two years of doing this, is kind of, you're right. Like, I think it dissuades them from doing it. Like I think so. I, I 100% because I haven't seen one in two years. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I practice and we look at a couple of them when I get time, but because we see some on yeah. film here and there, but I know the teams, nope, I haven't seen one in two years. The weird thing is of the four that we've seen, three have come in a game after we've blocked the kick. Yeah. One team, and I'll show it to you here in a second, one team – ran a designed fake punt just to run it. So this is the same team. I've already showed you two blocks in this game. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're going, look, we can't do anything. we got to try something. So we're going to run this. We're going to intercept it. We're going to run it back for a touchdown. Um, and that puts us up 21 nothing early in the second quarter. But, again, we scored twice. The two – we scored one was we picked up a fumble in the end zone for a touchdown. And the other one was we fell on the two yard line. So we scored twice. Our offense hasn't actually generated anything in the first quarter, but we've now put three scores on the board all because of special team, two block punts, one's for a touchdown. We were intercepted a fake punt. We returned for a touchdown. It's 21, nothing. And again, let's be honest. The game's probably over. And this was a terrible night. It was 40 degrees pouring down rain. Um, we couldn't throw the ball. They knew we couldn't throw the ball. They were an air raid team. They definitely couldn't throw the ball. So these, in those conditions, these special teams plays make a huge difference, right? Here's one from playoff game this year. Um, this is actually unbalanced. So tackle's eligible. And this is one of those teams we knew they, you know, they, they punt from tackle eligible all the time from unbalanced. Um, this is a, this is a, basically the right tackle that's covered. And they're going to run a little tackle pop here. And, again, this is what I'm talking about. Look, we're in our base defense here. I'm not running a full block. This is late in the game. We're actually down here. Um, we're down seven with about a minute ten to go. Or, no, we're down three, down three with a minute ten to go. Um, we get the stop, and they elect to do this instead of it's fourth and, gosh, what is it, fourth and four? 
Um, so this was this was their choice. Um, instead of running off in the play, we're going to try to run this little tackle pop. Um, but again, like I'm talking about, this is a situation where we're going to play our base defense. If I'm if I try to run a full block here, we're hosed. They're going to yeah. run tackle pop. There's not going to be anybody there. My linebacker does a really nice job of getting in there and deflecting that ball. Our offense comes out. We go down, score, win a playoff game, go on a sectional championship. So this is the one. That's the one fake. We not blocked a kick in this game, but this is the one design fake that they had drawn up and ran. And that's honestly the only one we've seen in five years that is based solely on we want to run a fake in the situation and not. But I'm scared we're going to get kick blocked. Uh, here's another one. That's obviously not what you're looking for. Um, we would have had that tackled even if he caught it. Uh, yeah. So um, those, that, that's that's kind of it. This is the last one here where we had blocked the first kick in this game. I showed it to you a second ago. And they just kind of try to get this punter to the edge, and we tackle him for a loss. So those are the four, that's it. Those are the four fakes that have been run against us in, gosh, 60 punts a year uh, for about 100 and – what is that, 200 punts, roughly? Yeah, give or take. Yeah. So, and then the last thing, like I said, I want to talk about is, are the disruptions because I think they're really important. Like I said, 12% of all kicks not completed have not got the kick away, which leaves a lot, 88% yeah. that are kicked. So how can we affect the game in those 88%? Um, the thing I'll tell you, I, I kind of talked about what those four criteria for disruptions we're averaging 1.3 of those a game. That's 33% of all of our opponent kicks. Something bad happens to them, which, again, is where I think the value comes in. This is something that's easy for our kids to understand. I give them the diagram of what the block is for the week. Most weeks we literally only run one. I'm not going to put four blocks in. I might run a second one like that corner blitz in a special situation. It takes me two minutes to install it. I'm going to rep it four or five times in practice. We're going to go take it in the game. You – I've got to make sure that you get a kick away against this. You're going to spend a lot more than two or three minutes on it than I did, which I think is huge. So there's that. Last thing I want to talk about is our PAT, because I think this is kind of one of the coolest things we do, Coach, and then and then I'm going to get out of here. Um, actually, I'm just going to show you that. So this is our PAT formation. And oh, I would better look at it. So I'll give you a little bit of background on this. 2018 um, was state championship year for us, and – I ran PAT the same way everybody else did. You know, tackle wing, block your inside gap, whatever. The problem that we had, and again, we do this a ton, 110 times a year, was that we were starting to get a bunch of really exotic stuff. And, you know, let's be honest, in a 35 nothing or a 35-7 game, I'm not going to call a fake, yeah. right? Um, you know, we've got two guys inside the C-gap against us, and we've got nine guys D gap and wider. Look, there's no rules for that. There's no, the solution is to run a fake, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, I'm obviously not going to dial one up in that situation when we're already ahead. The clock's running. We're in a running clock situation. And, and you know, I, I'm just, we're not in that kind of program. So we play the worst team on our schedule. We had three PATs blocked in the game. And this is middle, mid season in 2018. We knew we were really good, knew we were state championship contender. And that's kind of one of the situations where you go home and, and coach, you drink about 19 beers and you feel sorry for yourself. And <laughs> I think that's kind of that's kind of when the inspiration strikes, right? So yeah. um, we are we're a shield punt team. I'm a three-man shield. And everybody knows, like I said, it's what it's really simple. It's what we do for our kids so they understand it. So in the middle of kind of sitting in the dark and feeling sorry for myself, I kind of had the thought to say, why 
why can't we be a shield PAT team? It works for punt. We can protect the block. We can protect the punter. Um, why can't we do that on extra point? So here's kind of what we came up with. I basically just moved my wings back um, and built a two-man shield in front of the block. And um, I'll kind of run through my my rules here because, it, again, the issue, and this is kind of a good example of that, like there's, there's one and a half guys inside inside the C gap here yeah. and there's nine other guys that we've got to account for. So what, what I wanted to do when we did this was I wanted, I wanted to take these guys out of the equation because that's where a lot of our blocks were coming from was Alaska on the edge. We couldn't get to it. It was too wide. You know, putting a second guy out there and kind of trying to pin my wing down and then try to get that guy off the edge. You know, I mean, there were twists and slants, and, you know, all this crazy stuff that we had to avoid so i said look if we're going to do this we have got to get those those two edge guys can't block the kick right those have to be the guys that we have to account for so here's how we're going to align we're going to go with our outside foot on the eight yard line or five yards behind the ball if you're kicking a field goal and then i'm going to tell this guy you have to find the widest guy that you believe can block the kick okay maybe it's him maybe it's not him in this instance he doesn't pick him he picks him he thinks this kid's too wide. So what he'll do is he'll put his outside foot on a straight line from the kicking block to his number. So this dude can't block the kick. There's no way. We've taken that away by alignment. Yeah. So now my tight ends, which you can kind of see this, this I kind of call it like an NFL offensive tackle stance, right? It's third and 14 in the NFL. That's what you're going to get. Because what I want to avoid is this that's really the only place we're vulnerable on this and by doing this i've made the loop too long so he can't run through there he's too late a and b the ball's too high he can't he can't block it from the butt of the center basically he's he's got to get deeper in here if he's going to block this kick so same rules inside block inside gap i will note there's one we're going to screw this one up but we do have a rule here um for our tackles where they can make a fan call. If they don't have a B gap threat, they can fan the C gap and kind of push everybody out of gap. So what happens here, there's a lot of communication between these three guys because again, we see 100 different things. So, you know, tackle can go, look, I got nobody inside fans so and I'm going to fan for this guy tight end those. Okay. He's going to take the guy in the inside gap. I can go to the outside gap now, which means I take this guy and then the wing always takes the first unblocked guy inside. So our wing's going to take him. We don't think he can block it. We think he's too wide. We're going to leave him alone. There you go. In that instance, that one guy backs off. This guy backs off. So we don't have to worry about him. But we had him blocked. He belonged to the wing in the event that he came. Yeah. You can kind of get a better look at it on the other side down here because we don't have a fan call down here. Um, the Titans... Or the tackle is going to take him. Tight end is going to take him. Wing knows I got two. I have to take the first guy inside, so the wing is going to take him. We have taken his block away by alignment, but he's technically unblocked. We don't have a guy for him. But we believe that he can't run around us and get to the block like that, basically. Same game, another one. 
Here we get the fan call right. 54 doesn't have a guy inside him. This guy's head up on 75. So 54 fans. We actually do still screw it up. The tight end screws it up. Tight end should have blocked him, which leaves a wing for him. Now the wing's got three guys running at him, and he's kind of got to make the most of it. There's a good example. That guy's unblocked, but he's still late. He's still too high. No, the ball's too high. <clears throat> another look at it. Here's another example of what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, there's there's three guys in here. But our rules, our rules, this one's from 2020. Our rules kind of have to sort this out. Um, this should be the wings guy, probably. Yep. And you see that edge guy can't, that edge guy can't make that block. He's too wide. So it, it's really worked for us. I'll be honest, we've had, We've had two blocked in the three years we've done this, but those were offensive line protection issues that our offensive line coach solved on his own without having to get the old special teams coordinator involved, which is what we like. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always appreciate having to fire offensive linemen. That's always one of my, one of my. See, and even then, you know, old sixty-three here, who's my wing in, in this instance, doesn't do a great job here. He just kind of lets this guy fall off, um, but it's still good enough. You know, as long as your snapper's good, we're looking for 1.8 snap to kick. We've made that a couple years. We've not made it a couple years based on who my snapper is. And, um, you know, made a couple of changes at snapper mid-year, et cetera. When your snapper's good, that's that's the best weapon you have on, yeah. on field goal and PAT. But when you don't, you've still got to have a plan. Yeah. So that's kind of part of, of what we do. I think it's really unique, um, you know, I'll be honest, I'm kind of proud of it because it's kind of one of those things I invented myself. It's not, let's go to the clinic and, you yeah. know, oh, check this thing out. I'm going to rip this off and I'm going to start selling it. Uh, first of all, I don't sell anything. But yeah. I think this is a really unique way to make sure that you're sound all the way around on PAT. And it takes a lot of the guesswork out and it takes a lot of the um, weird rules that your tight ends and wings have and, and a lot of that stuff. This is simple for our kids. Again, like I said, it's another thing that's real easy for our kids to understand. The rules are simple. The rules are straightforward. We're going to win it with scheme and give our kids easy rules to to go out and game and do. So Yeah. No, I, I think that's some good stuff, Coach. And I thank you for coming on and talking about how to be different. Um, that's a very unique field goal PAT formation. And, um, yeah, it's got, my, it's got my wheels churning in my head. <laughs> um, like I said, we have very similar philosophy pump block-wise. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like I said, the dreaded kickoff is something I'm always looking to improve. So there's some good ideas there. Um, coach's contact, for those of you who watched, uh, the coach's contact information was at the beginning. Uh, it will also be in the, coach, it's on the screen again right now. It's also in the bio, especially for those of you that are listening on Anchor, Spotify, or any of the other uh, apps. Um, his contact information will be in the bio. Uh, remember, if you want to go listen back to any of this, there are video tags in both um, the podcast and the YouTube video. That way, if there's ever a specific spot you want to go back to, uh, please like, subscribe, and then uh, reach out to Coach if you need anything. They run a very good program over there, over there at New Palestine. Um, and then that was another episode of the Kick and Cover podcast. <laughs>